that God will intervene in this person's life and heal that person. Or that the pilot didn't question, well, do they really need help all that much? That for whatever reason, they were willing to go into that dark, cold, isolated place and save that person. Well, the reality is, there are people, they live in our families, and they go to this church, and they need a rescue mission. Their world is dark and cold and isolated. Uh, they may be trapped in some kind of addiction. They may be uh, walled off because of their anger and rage and their bitterness. And, uh, and, and they need somebody to do something. They need somebody to perform a divine rescue. You know, uh, our single folks need people to help them because we all know that when we are uh, in love, that it is the closest we ever come to being certifiably mentally ill. I mean, it's just nothing, uh, nothing works right in the midst of romantic love. And uh, I was talking to a lady on, on the radio. She said she was a believer, but she had moved in with a guy three years prior. She had just found some uh, narcotic prescription drugs that she didn't know he'd been taking for three years. And uh, she just threw in the fact that eight years prior, his wife had divorced him because he wouldn't get help for his drug addiction. And I just thought, you know, where are the people in her life that would come along her to, beside her and say, hey, you, you got to get out of this situation. You have to move out. You, you have to do something. And that they would try to rescue her from this person who, you know, maybe he will get some help. But for right now, there was a Christian living with another man who was trapped in addiction, who needed help. You know, we, um, we need people to tell us the truth. It's, it's amazing. Somebody can be dating an axe murderer and not notice the axe that they're walking around with. And they need somebody to tell them. You know, when, when you... Uh, uh, when you you come out of the bathroom and your pantyhose or your dress is in, you need somebody to say something. Or if, um, if your teeth have black poppy seeds all over them. Uh, I was being extremely romantic and loving to my wife. And she looked at me and said, there is something hanging out of your nose. And, you know, and, and, you know we've learned to be polite and use French, like there's a bouguer there, things like that. Uh, but, but you need people to tell you the truth. We were, um, we were at the, the fair with the Browns uh, last week. And uh, we went into the, the barn there, and there was this, this pig. This, um, it was a male pig, I can guarantee you. And it, it was the largest pig I've ever seen in my life. And um, it was laying there. It was uh, being taken care of, all its needs, you know, cleaned up after, fed, had its own little sweet little bed, laying there, you know, just having the time of its life. But, you know, I, I wanted to say, hey, buddy, <laughs> this does not end well for you. <laughs> you know, right on the other side of that ribbon, uh, there, there's a, it's not good. So, so... Sometimes we think all is going well, and we need people to come along and tell us the truth about ourselves. 
And as we close up this study of James, here in James 5, 19 and 20, is a little postscript. It's a, it's a couple of verses that is like an add-on. Uh, you know, the, the elder who would have read this letter to the church would normally be saying stuff like, and tell Cynthia and Lisa hello and here, blessing. But here it is right here. It says this, my dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. Now, this is very, very consistent with the message of James who has taught us things like faith without works is dead. In fact, you could kind of sum up this whole uh, book with belief needs to be backed by bold behavior. Not just belief, not just faith, but there needs to be an accompanying bold move sometimes in people's lives. Now, We've got some great stories of this from Scripture. In, uh, uh, in the story of the, the Good Samaritan, we see someone reaching out to a stranger. But here James is saying, hey, sometimes us fellow folks, we, we get caught up and, and we wander from the truth. We need to help each other. We see a story of a lost coin. A woman has ten coins. She loses one. She sweeps the house clean till she finds that one coin. The message is real. Hey. Do whatever it takes to find that person who's struggling or lost. We see the uh, story of the lost son. And, and really kind of the headline there is his older brother is not doing anything to help bring him back into the family. And quite resentful once he comes back. And we see this wonderful story of the lost sheep. Uh, Jesus tells this story. In Luke 15 he says, so Jesus told them this story that if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. And when he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. It's a powerful story of a shepherd going after that one lost sheep. Now, a lot of times we like to be shepherds. We like to be the big shot. And, and we, we like to think of ourselves as better than other people. But sometimes the shepherd has to put himself at risk and go get that lost sheep. Sometimes we'd rather be the sheep dog and just bark. At, at, at people that are lost. You know, complain, nag, criticize, just bark. I, I love the sheepdog position. It's just amazing what it's like to be a sheepdog. And then, and then you use your anger uh, and, and produce fear, and then nobody bothers you. But nobody gets help either. But here this story kind of encourages us to become a fellow sheep and come alongside and help some other sheep get back to where they need to be. When someone's lost, it's easy to criticize or judge, but we don't know what they've been through in their life. We don't know how hard they tried to, to withstand the temptation or what they were exposed to earlier in life, or uh, maybe they were alienated from the church by some weird 
person or, or, or thing, who knows? But no matter what, it's our job to go and reach them. Now, now there's a way for us to go. And that's my second point. The first point is we need to go and provide divine intervention. But the second is that, that we're provided with a way. Galatians 6.1 says this, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. So those that are godly, in other words, those that are working on their own stuff, uh, those that have gotten that big boulder out of their own eye before they try to help somebody else with that little speck. Uh, those that are, are cautious so they don't get caught up in the same thing should humbly and gently go and try to reach out to somebody that's struggling. You know, in 12-step um, uh, circles, many times just the sharing of the story, your own story of, of sin and degradation and then the transformation, that's enough to bring another person back sometimes. Just humbling ourselves and gently sharing our own story. A great example of this comes um, in 2 Samuel. David has stolen a man's wife, Bathsheba, has had her husband killed. And God calls Nathan, the prophet, to go talk to David. Now, he doesn't go with this arrogant attitude and give him the quadruple Dave treatment. Dave, 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 Dave. You know, we love that thing. We love to be the person that knows it all and use our arrogance to come and talk to somebody else. But he doesn't do that. He just, he just comes alongside him and he tells him a little story. One man had everything. Another poor man just had a little baby sheep. The rich man, rather than slaughter one of his own lambs to feed his guests, takes the lamb from the poor man, kills it, and serves it to his guests. And David said, oh my goodness, he should pay four lambs back. He was incensed. And, and then Nathan says to David, David, you are that man. And because of the way he did it, David is convicted of his sin. That's what we're looking for. We're not looking for condemnation. We're looking for conviction and restoration. And so when we go to somebody, we need to be humble and we need to be sensitive. Matthew 18 says we need to go privately first. And if that doesn't do anything, we need to bring somebody who's witnessed some of this stuff. And, and see if that might be enough. And then, if not, we bring it before the church. But many times what we do is we, we bring it before the church. We, we put people on the prayer list. I, I just like us to pray for Helen and Bob. It's, you know, uh, just pray that Bob will give up his affair with the secretary. You know, they live over uh, in the uh, Windermere uh, edition. And uh, we need to pray anonymously for these people. And we bring it before the church before we ever go talk to Bob and see if we could help and save this marriage. We do it privately. We take somebody 
and then we bring it before the church. Now, the third point is that there are a lot of reasons we use not to help somebody. Well, it's none of our business, we say. Or I don't want to hurt their feelings. Or um, maybe, maybe we don't really like them and just hope that they die or something. I, I don't know. It, it could be a lot of things. But many times, it's that we're afraid to do anything. Maybe that person has so much anger and we don't want to tap into their inner badger that we know we're going to tap into if we bring up something that is a problem in their life. Maybe we don't want to be desperate. We're afraid we'll be put out on the street or we'll be abandoned or whatever it is. But God doesn't want us to do nothing because of our inconvenience or our fear. He calls us to make a divine intervention rather than give a divine excuse. Jude 1.22 says, And you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment and show mercy to still others. But do so with great caution, hating the sins that contaminate their lives. So many reasons and excuses and rationalizations. And if we're stuck there, then maybe we need to get some help. Maybe we need to go to some support group where we develop the strength and the wisdom and the insight and the motivation to intervene in the person who just might live under the same roof that we do. Now, how I get stuck delivering these kinds of messages, I do not know. But this next point is really tough, and i got to say it out loud because I think it's, it's the truth. And I just apologize. You know, I, I'm going to give you, a, uh, one of these days, I'll get to preach on uh, happy talk or something. I don't know. But, I, but here's the reality, and that is that when we don't help, we end up enabling evil in the world. In the world of our own family, we can be enabling evil. We can be Satan's little helpers in allowing evil to exist in this world. I talked to a, a pastor on radio this week, and, and he, uh, his 17-year-old son was arrested at Six Flags for stealing. So Six Flags said rather than press charges, they were going to fine him $150 and he couldn't come back for a year. The dad says, so I sat him down and I said, I am turning you over to the Lord. What does that mean? I'm turning you over to the Lord. You know what that means? I'm not going to do what I need to do and enforce the consequences and, and provide the restrictions and, and do whatever it takes to prevent you from doing this again, or to show you that there are consequences to behavior. And so, essentially, this, this pastor was using a divine excuse. I'm going to turn you over to the Lord rather than make a divine intervention. Now, there's a dramatic example of this happening in the Old Testament. Eli. Eli was a judge he was a priest, he was a father, and he had two boys. These were not good guys. These two boys were, people would bring their sacrifices and, uh, and they would 
they would take and eat the sacrifices that were meant to be sacrificed. They took it for themselves. And they were having, um, well, they were having sex with women in the front of the temple. And so here was the prophet, the priest, and the dad. And, uh, I mean, not the prophet, I mean the judge, the priest, and the father. Over these boys, they're doing this stuff, and God speaks to little Samuel. And he gives him a message, a judgment to give to Eli. Listen to this. In 1 Samuel 3, it says, And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears of it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons made themselves contemptible, and he failed to restrain them. His sin was failing to restrain the evil in his own home, in his own land, in his own church that he knew about. Matthew Henry, in his commentary, says, Those that do not restrain the sins of others, when it is in the power of their hand to do it, make themselves partakers of of the guilt, and they are charged as accessories. And so the consequences of not restraining evil, the two boys are killed in battle, the Ark of the Covenant is captured by the Philistine, the daughter-in-law of Eli gives birth and dies in childbirth, and the child is named Ichabod. Ichabod means inglorious one, or the glory has departed. Israel. And Eli hears about this and he faints and falls on his neck and breaks it and he dies. It's just a dramatic Old Testament story, but, but it's consistent throughout the Bible that there are consequences for not doing what we have been called to do. In the fourth chapter of James, James preached that when you know what you do to do and you don't do it, that is sin. And the consequences in our day is that a person continues to live lost because we're too afraid to provide the divine intervention. Or they die from whatever it is that they're struggling with. Or they inflict wounds on so many other people. Or, or perhaps we teach the others in the family. In this family, fear rules over faith. Or in this family, we deserve to be abused and yelled at and screamed at. And so we do nothing because we just want to keep the peace that God wants us to make peace. And sometimes we have to disturb the peace in order for there to be peace in a family. But when we help, the results of helping are just amazing. We prevent sin. Uh, we, we bring forgiveness. We prevent death. There's an opportunity for healing. There's an opportunity to watch God work. Because we've done our part. He does His part. And we see change and transformation. 
where maybe we, we just weren't convinced that there was any hope. Maybe we, we were just too afraid and we finally do something and then God comes in and does what only God can do. Maybe there's someone that you love that needs a divine intervention. 1 John 3.16 says, We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us so we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Dear children, let's not merely say we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. And somebody may need to take action. I've told this story before, but it's a story of a man who fell in a hole. And uh, a physician comes by and hears him yelling and throws down his card and says, when you get out, you know, come see me and I'll help you with whatever wounds that you have. Sorry, Steve Dewey and the rest of you in the medical profession, nothing personal. I was just, it's part of the story. A lawyer comes by and says, wow, you've got grounds for a lawsuit down there and hands him his card. No offense to you attorneys. Then his best friend hears him yelling from the hole and he jumps down into the hole. And the guy goes, why are you in the hole? I need somebody to help me out of the hole. I don't need another person trapped down in this hole. And his best friend says, hey, I fell in this same hole and I know how to get out. And you follow me and we're going to get out of this hole together. There are some people in some dark and cold and isolated holes, and they need some of us to jump down in there with them and help them get out of that hole. And a lot of times, a lot of times we're afraid to make that bold move based on the belief that we have. And so we have to question, do we really have the belief that God has the power to change and transform and also has the power to comfort us if the results of us doing what we know we need to do are not pleasant. And before I close, I have to say that You know, some here, maybe you're the one that needs a divine intervention. Maybe you're the one that everybody's walking around on eggshells trying not to hurt your feelings, but the reality is there's a problem. And you need to do a divine intervention on yourself. And if that's the case, I am praying that the Holy Spirit speaks to you and that you are able to say what David essentially said to himself. I am that man. But for the rest of us, divine intervention requires a bold move. And sometimes we have to stop waiting for God to do what God is waiting for us to do. And if that's you, I pray that God will give you the strength and the courage and the power and the wisdom 
to do what needs to be done. To, as it says in Proverbs 24, 11, hold back those staggering toward the slaughter. Pray with me. Lord, I thank you for your truth, your tough, hard truth, Lord. Help us to, to do the tough thing, to do the right thing. Give us insight and strength and show us your way and help us to follow it. And may someone be saved from death and sin and may forgiveness come into their home. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Steve. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you this morning? It may be that you...